Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic q and I'm Dr. Sanj Kakar. With the COVID-19 pandemic, 2020 was a year filled with challenges that stressed the healthcare system and forced healthcare delivery to adapt. As 2021 begins, Mayo Clinic in Florida is poised for growth and expansion through innovative construction projects and new programs. Joining us to discuss this today is Dr. Kent Thielen, CEO of Mayo Clinic in Florida. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Thielen. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for the opportunity. So before we talk about the future, maybe we can take a few minutes and just look back at uh, 2020 and how Mayo Clinic in Florida has been managing the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, it's a great question. And clearly 2020, as we've all experienced, was an extremely challenging year on so many fronts, particularly as a healthcare provider. But it's also been a tremendous opportunity to showcase what really um, makes Mayo Clinic very effective in these types of circumstances. The teamwork, the collaboration, the values-driven engagement of our um, employees, I think really shined throughout 2020. You know, back in uh, March of 2020, when we had our very first cases of COVID here in the Northeast Florida region, our teams reacted quickly. Um, our teams recognized early on that having access to high quality, high volume testing capability would be very important. We collaborated closely with our um, colleagues in uh, Mayo Clinic laboratories to be able to stand up high volume testing. Um, we were able to acquire a high volume testing machine, um, construct a facility, install it, um, go through all the quality control necessary to have it operational and train our teams in 10 days, something that would normally take months. And that allowed us to provide high volume, very accurate testing, not only for our own operations, but it also allowed us to help support um, many of the hospitals in the Northeast Florida region, which were struggling with access to quick turnaround time for their COVID patients. They were waiting um, more than a week, sometimes two weeks to get results. It was hard for them um, to understand which patients had COVID, which didn't in the inpatient setting. Um, if you reflect back, there were a lot of issues with PPE at that point in time. And so that allowed them to quickly understand which of their patients had COVID, which did not. We were providing results in under 24 hours, oftentimes in 12 hours. And then we were able to expand that capability to support businesses in the region, as well as other institutions, academic institutions, and then the Navy. We were a major provider of testing and continue to be for the Navy to allow them to test their crews before they leave um, the port here. Um, Jacksonville is one of the largest naval operations in its locale anywhere in the United States. And so we were able to help them and others. Um, that testing capability allowed us to reactivate our practice after we had to slow things down. Much of our outpatient practice, our elective surgeries came to a halt for a period of weeks, but um, we were able to, to restore confidence in our staff and the ability to, to feel comfortable that the patients that we were caring for did not have COVID. So we tested all the patients who were admitted to the hospital, put into place all those other um, capabilities to be able to screen patients and employees as they're coming to work each day. And um, we were able to ramp the practice back up, care for the patients who needed the type of care that we provide at Mayo, at Mayo Clinic, you know, serious and complex illness. They turned to us, we were available and, be able, and were able to do that, as well as caring for COVID patients in a very effective way. And uh, that allowed us to um, actually do significant volumes of surgery. Um, over the course of the year, we've done about as many surgical procedures this year as we did the year before, even in spite of a couple of months of very slow activity because of the initial um, impact of the pandemic. We've also been able to help the community more broadly beyond just testing here in Northeast Florida. We've reached out to many of the under, underprivileged areas and worked with some of the churches in the Jacksonville area to provide testing capability, consulting capability, um, to be able to provide better care for many of the patients in our region. So just on multiple levels, I, I feel very proud of our team. Beyond that, 
We've also been able to, to provide some of the key therapeutics here at Mayo Clinic in Florida that were available because of the collaborative work we did across our Mayo Clinic enterprise, developing capabilities around things like um, convalescent plasma infusion. For instance, that was recognized across the United States as a key capability to be able to deliver to our patients. Those research studies were led by individuals like Dr. Joyner in Rochester, but some might not be aware that there were significant contributions here locally to that effort. Um, at Mayo Clinic in Florida, Dr. Delisa Fairweather was um, one of the individuals who was in charge of doing the data analysis and data collection that happened here at Mayo Clinic in Florida for that entire study. And so we, we ramped up those capabilities early on and then other, other therapeutic capabilities like monoclonal antibody infusions and, and now delivering vaccinations to our frontline healthcare workers. And now most recently, we just started um, administering vaccines to patients. So um, it's been a lot happening this past year, but I think we're in a good position. We still have significant COVID in our uh, COVID um, volumes in our community, high positivity rates. We're actually in the midst of a, the early phases of what seems to be a surge, but our teams are well prepared and uh, I think we'll be able to effectively continue to deliver the care that's necessary here. Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing that. I think uh, just sh uh, sharing the broad spectrum of culture and innovation at Mayo Clinic uh, with everybody, I think is clear to see. When you look at those lessons learned in 2020 and the innovations, especially for example, with COVID-19, how do you see that parlaying into 2021? So, so we've been able to develop significant lessons learned, which will allow us to treat patients with the pandemic, obviously, I think even more effectively. Um, we have um, seen excellent outcomes for some of the therapeutics that we've been able to deliver. But beyond just the COVID pandemic, we've also kept our eye on many of the strategic priorities here locally that were already in flight prior to the COVID pandemic. And um, we've actually accelerated a number of those. And some of those have actually helped our capability to deliver care to patients with COVID in addition to those patients who don't have COVID type illnesses. And so um, for instance, we have a discovery and innovation building here. We have uh, very much an innovation culture here at Mayo Clinic in Florida, much like our organization overall, but it's very strong culture here in Florida. That discovery and innovation building opened up about a year ago. In it, it has um, a lung restoration center. I can talk about that a little bit as I talk about some of our priorities here in a bit, but um, um, that facility was activated and we're finishing up construction of some of the capabilities around cellular manufacturing, but our um, Innovation Exchange also opened this last year, which is a supplement to our bio business incubator, which is also in that building. So we're helping drive innovation, bring new ideas to the market, connecting entrepreneurs, investors, academic institutions, um, collaborating business partners together to take those ideas that exist within our own organization, within our healthcare workers at Mayo Clinic, as well as those outside our organization, and, and provide pathways to accelerate their translation into the clinical practice. So let's talk about that then. Obviously, there's a lot of expansion going on in Florida right now. You talked about the Innovation Center. What is the ethos behind that and how do you see that translating into improved patient care? So the Discovery and Innovation Building is a physical structure that opened a year ago. But I can just give you an example of how it's impacting patient care. The first floor of that building contains a facility called our Lung Restoration Center. And it's a collaborative partnership with a business partner, United Therapeutics, whereby we, working with them, um, we're able to take lungs 
that would otherwise be discarded and felt to not be of high enough quality for transplantation because lungs are very fragile organs. They break down quickly. Only about 20% of lungs that are uh, initially obtained for potential transplantation can actually be utilized. The other 80% are discarded. Um, we take those lungs and they're put in an environment much like an operating room. They're infused, um, they're physiologically monitored and they're provided an environment where they can recover a bit and, and actually you know, restore their, their physiologic capability. And when we feel like they're functioning at a level where they'd be appropriate for transplantation, they're then transplanted into our patients. That facility was activated and we're now actively utilizing that capability here on this campus. It helps Mayo Clinic's capability to deliver transplantation here locally, but also it provides additional organs for non-Mayo organizations across the Southeastern part of the United States. And we think we'll have a very significant increase in the number of lung transplantations in the Southeastern United States because of that facility. That's the type of activity that's occurring in that building. That's amazing. And uh, I think for people to know that uh, Mayo Clinic in Florida recently uh, reached 7,000 transplants and uh, first combined heart and liver transplants. And so with the lung uh, restoration program that you mentioned, also with COVID-19 affecting the lungs, this may be an area that before this uh, patients would have struggled. In addition, I understand that uh, you're manufacturing organs using uh, 3D printing and stem cell therapies. Can you discuss that a little bit with us? Yes, so we're in the early phases of, um, one of the areas we're leading for the organization is redefining the future of transplant medicine. And as you just shared, we have very high volumes of, of transplants that occur here. We're, in the, we're one of the most active transplant centers in the world. And uh, as part of that effort, we're trying to put ourselves out of business from a conventional standpoint over the next 10 years to eliminate conventional transplantation where we obtain organs from individuals who have unfortunately passed away and be able to find new ways to either um, identify diseases earlier in the process to be able to treat them in new ways so that patients don't need a transplantation or if they end up needing a transplantation, we can manufacture the organs in different ways. And so we're working closely with um, academic partners across the country, uh, major universities, um, other corporate partners like United Therapeutics that I mentioned with our Lung Restoration Center. And in that process, our scientists here at Mayo are working with their scientists at those entities to help accelerate the capability to manufacture organs. So manufacturing lungs, manufacturing kidneys, those types of organs through, through different approaches, but basically it's developing a scaffold for the organ and being able to provide stem cell overlays. It's still in the research phase, but um, very promising. And, and hopefully over this 10 year time period, it'll be actually translated into clinical practice. Absolutely, extremely exciting times in regenerative medicine. And, and you talked about uh, stem cells. I understand immunotherapies are also being developed down there. Can you explain what that is? Another area that we, we have a major focus here is related to cellular therapeutics and immunotherapy. And so in actually in that same building, I was just mentioning our Discovery and Innovation Building, the second floor has a GMP facility and a cellular manufacturing capability. And our goal there with our scientists and our teams is to be able to develop new therapeutics, cellular therapeutics like CAR-T, where we're able to treat cancers and non-cancerous conditions and also expand our utilization of tools like bone marrow transplantation to areas that aren't cancerous and to develop new tools for treating cancers which currently do not respond well to the therapeutics that we currently have. And so our goal is to develop many new CAR-T drugs, many new applications for cellular therapeutics and also to use immunotherapy to treat 
autoimmune disorders, and perhaps even neurologic disorders. So we've touched upon the regenerative medicine aspect. I also understand uh, there's a new integrated oncology uh, field happening in Mayo Clinic in Florida. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we're very excited about what 2021 holds for us. Back in 2020, um, we announced that we would be building a new large facility called our Integrated Oncology Facility. In that facility, it'll have some traditional capabilities for treating cancer like chemotherapy infusion suites, proton ion therapy, which many centers, including our sites in Rochester and Phoenix, Arizona, currently already have. But um, in addition to proton therapy, we'll also have carbon ion therapy in that facility. It's a collaborative endeavor with the Hitachi Corporation, who also helped us with building our proton uh, facilities in Rochester, Minnesota, and Phoenix, Arizona. And carbon ion therapy is similar to proton therapy in that uh, a particle is accelerated and shot into a tumor, deposits its energy in the tumor, and treats that tumor. Um, the unique difference with carbon ion therapy, while it's similar to proton therapy, is the carbon ion is 12 times as heavy as the proton, so it's a much more um, sizable mass, a lot more energy deposited, and has the capability of treating some tumor types that don't respond well to proton therapy. But even beyond that, we believe that there may be um, unique capabilities with carbon ion therapy related to exposing targets for immunotherapy because of the way it destroys the tissues and the cells and exposes these targets in the process of, of treating the, the primary tumor with carbon therapy so that after the carbon therapy is undertaken, we can apply our capabilities with immunotherapy to treat any other tumors that the patient has, metastasis, if you will, that have spread further away in the body in a more effective fashion. So we're excited about all that that holds. Um, it's a very significant construction project, a very large facility. It'll take a few years here, but um, we're already starting on efforts to randomize patients and start trials to compare proton therapy and carbon ion therapy with um, collaboration with some other academic centers in Europe and Asia. This will be the first carbon ion therapy, clinical carbon ion therapy center in North or South America. Wow, that's a really exciting news. One of the other things that we've learned with COVID-19 um, is how Mayo Clinic has led the way in treating and monitoring patients at home. And I understand in Mayo Clinic uh, in Florida, there's an advanced care at home program that's uh, due to be uh, launched. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, and, and it's very timely. And as you stated with COVID, we've all learned that you can do a lot more than, than you thought you could virtually. And there's just been an explosion of capability in the healthcare environment with patients having virtual visits at home using um, virtual technologies and telephone technologies. But prior to the COVID pandemic, we actually had in flight the development of something we call advanced care at home, which is really our home hospital capability. And we're leading this for the organization and we're collaborating closely with colleagues in our Mayo Clinic Health System in Wisconsin as well. So we could roll this out in two locations. And what it entails is being able to provide care to patients who would typically need to be hospitalized. We think of it as an additional floor on our hospital that just happens to not be in our physical geographic location. And so these are sick patients. They're not patients that are marginal for being hospitalized, but very sick individuals, and they're cared for in their own home. And so we have a detailed um, capability to supply the patients with all the various needs from um, electronic monitoring capabilities, communication capabilities, Wi-Fi connectivity that can sustain any power outages, nursing 
capabilities that comes into their home, food, all those types of things, whatever is necessary to be able to be cared for in their home. We have a command center on our campus. This command center, Advanced Care at Home, has all the necessary infrastructure to be able to communicate with these patients, round on them daily, answer their questions, um, respond very quickly if necessary, and these patients get their care at home. And so we're, we've been doing that since last summer. Um, it's been very effective. We're caring for patients at our command center here at Mayo Clinic in Florida that are located in Northeast Florida, as well as patients that are located in Northwest Wisconsin, as well at our Mayo Clinic site there. And um, it's been very well received by patients. In fact, I was just looking at some data related to um, the initial rollout and um, more than 75% of the patients who are given the opportunity to be cared for in this manner choose to have their care this way. And the vast majority of them strongly suggest that they would recommend this to other family members or friends um, if they were to be considered for being cared for at home in the future. And so it's been well received. Um, we've been able to care for these patients. Our physicians, nurses, mid-level providers, um, they very much enjoy the interaction and feel excited about what it means for the care for these patients. And, and we're actually I'm looking at expanding our command center, which is already quite sizable because of the demand for this service. We think it's really an opportunity to rethink how healthcare is delivered in the, in the future. Well, I appreciate you mentioning that because at, here, as you know, at Mayo Clinic, we try to provide uh, high quality at uh, a low cost. And so do you see this being sort of transformative to medicine, not just locally in, in Florida and in Wisconsin, but across the country? Absolutely. And there are many other institutions that have been exploring this, this type of capability. And, and many of those efforts have been accelerated with COVID um, and the pandemic. Uh, we see this translating well beyond our walls and, and being a tool that can be utilized by healthcare providers beyond Mayo Clinic and, and across the world, frankly. And we'll have the capability and infrastructure as we expand to be able to care for patients throughout the United States and actually around the world at some point here as we continue to expand. But like you said, there's an there's a economic impact that has to be considered as well. But we think there's an opportunity to be able to deliver that care in an economical fashion and have it truly be outstanding care, even for those patients with serious or complex healthcare needs. Absolutely. Dr. Thielen, anything else that you'd like to discuss that we haven't touched upon? No, I, th I think I've covered many of the items. I, I'm very proud of the team that I work with here at Mayo Clinic and here at Mayo Clinic in Florida. Um, it's amazing how they're responding on so many fronts to change the face of healthcare looking into the future. And they're doing a tremendous job accomplishing that while we're also caring for patients during the COVID pandemic. Our thanks to Dr. Kent Thielen, CEO of Mayo Clinic in Florida, for joining us today on Mayo Clinic Q&A. Thanks so much, Dr. Thielen. Thank you. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well.